Alright guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Raz Blitz NFL Podcast. My name is Zach, you may know me from writing on Razball under the name Zach. And I am joined tonight by the always wonderful Josh Sperry. What's going on, Josh? How's it going, man? You doing all right? I am doing just great. Matt is uh, busy tonight, but we've got... And I, I'd say I say we've got the uh, reliever. We've got the reliever in the bullpen. And uh, no, I'm excited for today's uh, episode. It should be a good one. Um, now, before we jump into uh, some football uh, talking, um, Matt specifically wanted me to ask you about Nico Grimes. And you were telling me off the air that you actually know her to an extent. Right. So when I was working my Pepperidge Farm job that I hated, I was taking classes at Complete Game Broadcasting in the afternoons. Well, one thing led to another, and I think someone brought it up one day in class and asked our teacher. He said, hey, did Miko Grimes come here? And he started telling a story. He said, and I don't even know, I can't even remember if he said not to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because now <laughs> we're into it. Um, he said he, there's been one like actual fist fight in the history of his class. And he's probably been doing it for maybe like eight years ballpark, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little shorter, but towards the end of our thing, we do a actual show on 1230, the fan too, which is a small little AM station, maybe like 150 people can actually hear it. Okay. So we do a show on there and we can do our own solo segments and go like, if we get a full 12 minute segment, we can do whatever we want. All that. So Miko, I guess was going next and the guy in front of her, was taking too much time. He was going over that 12 minute mark, which I mean, I had, when I was doing mine, the guy in front of me went like blew through 12 minutes. He went like 15, but I just, it wasn't that big a deal to me. I didn't sure. really care. Sure. But, well, um, well, you're sane. I'd, I'd like yeah, to point that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm not a raging psychopath. And so she literally hit him in the face, like punched him square in the face. Jeez. Yeah. And he, yeah, he said that is the only time he has ever had a fist fight. He said she was just, a unique, a unique, unique person. So for people that don't know what we're talking about, Miko Grimes is the wife of cornerback Brent Grimes, who mm-hmm. now is on the Bucks. used to play for the Miami Dolphins and, and the he, Falcons and the Falcons. I was just yep. about to say the Falcons. So yeah. And she is famous for just, I don't like, there's no, I guess just being the wife of Brent Grimes. She's made these like absolutely inappropriate and scandalous birthday mm-hmm. cakes. She, she has literally no filter. She, she says yeah, she, she is the mouth of a sailor. And, and she goes and attacks um, like reporters that call out Brent. He go, she goes after like team's ownership. Like she literally and she does gets, not care. And she gets personal too. Yeah. <laughs> like start so like bad. does research on these reporters and executives and starts tweeting out about it. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. And so I had no idea until Matt pointed it out that you like you have, you know, to an extent have some interaction with the, the myth that is Nico Grimes. Yeah. It's like the six degrees of what is it? Kevin Bacon or whatever. Like yeah. I'm connected to her <laughs> through this, like just web of never having met her, but I know people that know her. Yeah. Great. So keeping the same uh, theme, 
So tell us a little bit about what you do for um, in, in Atlanta with um, the sports scene there. Yeah, um, my full-time job is I'm a editor for Good Day Atlanta for Fox 5. Okay. I've been closing in on a year doing that. And then I also work part-time for 680 The Fan. I did KSU football last year, but we have a newborn in the house, so I got to be home a little bit more now and can't quite do that this year. But I also produce the kickoff show on Sunday mornings from 10 to 1. On uh, Fox. With, on, uh, on 680. Okay, okay, yeah. on 680. Yeah, um, no, I wish I could be involved with the big-time Fox <laughs> stuff. I don't even know where they shoot that out of. That maybe that's probably New York would be my guess. Yeah. New York or L.A. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to – I think we start next week. Okay. Uh, so that'll be year two. And apparently, like, most of the time, people don't stick around for two years doing the producing just because nobody really wants to work Sundays up there. Yeah. But I really enjoy it, and it keeps me doing radio stuff, which is what I really, really like to do. So before we talk about um, your two, I guess the team that you cover, which would be the Falcons, and then your home team is the Steelers. Before we talk about Falcons and Steelers, I want to talk to you about the uh, – about the Braves, because I know you have a whole history of, you know, dealing with the Braves, covering the Braves. Mm -hmm. And I see a whole bunch of tweets that you send out, like always, I, I swear to you, they're always at like 4 a.m. Right. Absolutely. They're so absolutely incredible. They're like, <laughs> like, and I'm not a Braves fan. And I know what, like, I definitely just know how tortured you are as a human being having to watch this baseball team. It's and really what it all started with was probably the beginning of July, maybe is when this downward spiral started happening. It's I, I just think they mismanaged the Dansby Swanson situation so much. And I'm, I'm so happy he's back up and playing well now. But instead of keeping him regular at bats, which I thought should have just come in the majors the entire time. But I get why they ended up sending him down. But to bench him for two weeks and to waste those at bats. And I mean, you're doing this for Johan Camargo, who I like, but he's more of like a utility guy. And then we move Freddie Freeman to third base for Matt Adams, basically to try to just salvage all the trade value from Matt Adams that we can out of it. And now we're playing Matt Adams in left field from time to time, but we couldn't play Evan Gaddis out there. And it's, it's the weirdest situation that we're in. Yeah. L luckily it's going to start to resolve itself. Brandon Phillips got scratched from the lineup tonight, maybe like 10, 15 minutes ago. So it kind of looks like he's going to be dealt because Camargo comes back soon. Adonis Garcia comes back soon. So we're just going to have a log jam again. And this helps at least clear playing time for a couple guys. Okay. So we'll, we'll definitely plug all of your Twitter information in these write-ups. But again, anyone that is listening now, I, it's, I think it's a great idea to follow Josh on Twitter. We'll, uh, we'll get out the link to his profile. So let's talk about the two teams that um that you pretty much deal with the most. We've got the Falcons and then the Steelers. And mm -hmm. uh, I guess I guess because you do cover the Falcons, um, what do you think? Like so, I do, I don't know if it's a common theme, um, for a lot of or not a common theme, but a common opinion, um, in this industry. But Matt and myself pretty much expect a lot of regression from Matt Ryan. Um, normally I'm never interested in quarterbacks in fantasy that mm -hmm. come off career years just because 
that's why they call them career years. You know what I mean? Like they don't replicate their success, but mm-hmm. without, um, but without uh, their OC, but, yeah. yeah, without Shanahan, he's now in San Francisco. Like, do you expect Ryan to take a big step back? Do you think they'll still continue on this on on an on an elite pace with you know Julio and Taylor Gabriel and um, and the pieces in that offense? Like, what what do you think about this offense for uh, twenty seventeen? I think there's definitely a step back because I mean. And that's not even necessarily like knocking their offense. I mean, what they probably had maybe like a top 10 offensive season ever. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just bound to come back down from that. And the just circle of Kyle Shanahan, how going into last year, everybody wanted him out of town because of the first year of how bad it went with Matt Ryan, just not getting the offense. It was just a mess. Julio had like 200 targets. It was literally force feeding Julio every time. Well, then you go out and you get some more pieces and everybody gets more comfortable and they take off because I'm a big believer in like talent. I mean, the Steelers did the same thing with Todd Haley. Ben and Todd Haley did not mesh at first and then give them a couple years and they take off. So I think I think they're taking a step back and I think it's being understated now how much Shanahan did for the offense just with the way he's able to scheme guys open. He was no one wanted him to leave before the Super Bowl and then. Once they got up 28 to three, now he's the worst offensive coordinator ever because they didn't run the ball. So yeah. it's, it's really strange just how it all cycled around. And and it's crazy, too. I remember at 680 last year when I was interning, we would get phone calls in the preseason talking about starting. They wanted to start Matt Schaub over Matt Ryan. There Jeez. were legitimate fans. And I'm I'm just thinking, like, regardless of what you see out of Matt Ryan, like, that just doesn't make any sort of sense. Yeah, like, that's not a rational thought that you had that anyone should have. So I think there's a step back. I still love like the elite players in that offense. I still love Julio. Obviously he's going to get his targets. It's weird how he doesn't catch touchdowns. It's yeah. so strange. He's great at like nine catches for 150 and no scores. Like he does this all the time. It's just, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. And it, like it really is. It is strange. Yeah. What about, a, a what about um Austin Hooper? I know a lot of people are, pretty excited about what he can bring to the table in 2017 kind of flashed a bit of a upside last year not really the most consistent but again still fairly young in this offense do you expect big things for him this year I don't know exactly how big because I don't think he's necessarily like a dynamic receiver at tight end but I think he's probably the best one that they've had since um since Tony Gonzalez left yeah he's better than Jacob Tammy um I picked him up in uh, a league, a really deep league that starts two tight ends. And I just kept waiting and waiting on tight ends. So that's who I ended up with. And I was fine with that in a league that deep. I wasn't really worried about sure. making sure I had an elite guy. So I like him. I think he's going to probably be just a middle of the pack, probably like a top. Maybe he could fit in as like a tight end one, I guess. And like a 12 teamer sure. like towards the back end of that. I don't think he's getting anywhere near the top though. Yeah. And, and- and moving on to their backfield. So we've, so it's interesting because when, um, when the coaching regime got into Atlanta for the first time, um, recently they, um, they seem to like Tevin Coleman a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we saw them, uh, draft him out of Indiana. We saw him get a lot of, work in the preseason and in training camp. But Devonta Freeman never really went away. 
And so, yeah. and he was, and when I, when I say never went away, like Devonta Freeman was good. And, and so now we start to wonder if, if Tevin Coleman is no longer their man. And I think a lot of people start to wonder that, especially with Freeman's contract extension recently. Um, but do you see, especially in dy- in any sort of dynasty format, do we think Tevin Coleman still has value in the years, even though it, it it's now looking that, you know, the third year back is not going to be their main back for the next couple of years or until Freeman gets hurt? I think he does. Um, I would probably trust it more in the Shanahan offense just because we've seen exactly what it looks like where he – Tevin still got a lot of work last year. Yeah. Um, even with Devonta getting his work, uh, he's his first year. I know he had the fumble issues. He really has kind of gotten rid of that for the most part, but I think he just provides a lot of value. I think he's a real similar back to Devonta Freeman with his ability to run the ball, catch the ball, does a little bit of everything that yeah, I don't yeah. know that that, I don't know that a piece like that necessarily gets completely phased out. But the contract, if they didn't give the extension, I would think a lot higher of them in Dynasty. And uh, just because, I mean, most running backs don't really get paid. I mean, they usually run out their rookie deal and then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The other day, uh, I'm not even a Devonta owner, but I was like, okay, Devonta's already had a concussion this preseason. Let's take a stab at him. If nothing else, I'm blocking a handcuff from another guy, and he's a bench piece. I, it's a keeper league, and I have Le'Veon and David Johnson, so I'm not hurting at running back. I can afford to just take a home run shot on the bench. Yeah, and and so speaking of Shanahan, are you – I would assume – I mean, I think everyone is expecting big things um, out of the San Francisco offense, definitely compared to last year for this year, mm-hmm. and then in the future – my guess is, is that they go after Kirk Cousins. Yeah, um, it makes so much sense. Pretty heavily, and which is why I'm a huge fan of Cousins this year because I think he's sort of in a contract role, right. or, like a contract year with his with playing for a potential contract in San Francisco. But when we start to talk about running backs, because we did see that there was quite, you know, Freeman got his work and Coleman got his work. Do you think the same thing will be applied in San Francisco with? Hyde and Tim Hightower or Dewan Harris. I think it's pronounced Dewan Harris. Um, You know, Hyde and then the rookie Joe, I don't know, Joe Williams. Yeah. And I actually saw just the other day, I was doing write-ups myself and I don't know how you pronounce his name, Matt Brieda or something like that. He played at Georgia Southern. Yeah. Someone. Apparently he's got a significant role. That role is, but they like him enough where he's made the team and he's going to have a role offensively. And I don't know if that means even up, he's the backup to Carlos Hyde or not. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so happy you mentioned that because recently some a a commenter left that uh, left that piece about Dreda um, in underneath one of my articles and he was like what do you think of Dreda like do you think he has more you know upside than CJ Procise and I looked at it and I was like I don't know if I've ever heard of this mm-hmm. Dreda guy and then yeah. I had to like do, like do some digging I was like no I did hear something about like the undrafted rookie or the late round rookie pick and I was like wow he's yeah no it seems like he's gonna get some value it's such a confusing backfield yeah, um, and, and I like seen, Carlos Hyde this year, I think. 
Yeah, and we've seen we've seen conflicting reports though, um, over the past couple of weeks where you know one week we'll see Shanahan saying you know Carlos Hyde isn't ready at all. He's been absolutely sluggish in training camp, and then we see. Um, John Lynch, the GM, saying Carlos Hyde is the best player I've ever seen in the past five years. <laughs> yeah. Like, we just I, we don't know. It's such a confusing backfield, and like, can we assume that it's going to be a split backfield just based on how they approached Coleman and Freeman, or do you think that just has to do with personnel and Hyde should get his work? I think it would do, be more personnel. I definitely think that we'll see more towards Carlos Hyde because I think the gap between Tevin Coleman and whoever's going to be the backup in San Francisco, if we ever really know, I think is fairly large. Yeah. Um, just in terms of just overall talent and everything. So I would imagine, I would think Hyde gets at least like, what, 75% of the touches back there? I would get. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, that seems a little high. I would maybe go, no, yeah, you might be right about that. 70 like a 70 30 split yeah something along those lines i'm trying to look up pull up his stats real quick because i feel like he's if i'm remembering correctly i feel like he's decent catching the ball out of the backfield too if i remember no yeah he was involved but i again with tim hightower there like who who takes control of the passing downs it might be Hyde, it might be hightower it might be drada it might be i mean it might be me for all for all yeah no kidding (laughs) So while while you're looking that up, I do want to talk before we get into some news. I do want to talk about your favorite team, um, the Steelers. So you Mm -hmm. actively, you know, you're you're actively tweeting about them. You know, we we've had discussions before about um about the uh, the backup there. Um, Oh yeah, (laughs) I forget. I'm blanking on his James Conner. James Conner. Yep. So, so before we talk about the most important pieces in that offense, let's talk about Connor. So I think he's a perfect, um, like a 15th round lottery yeah. pick. I, I literally own him on every single team. I because have taken him everywhere. Do you think there's any, like, I don't know. It's hard because I know Lev Bell is now back in camp. He, for, I think he's scheduled to come back tomorrow. I think yeah. that's what everything has said. Yeah. But he's been holding out for a while. And we've talked about this too. He had, I think he has every right to, but at the same time, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh has every right to say, yeah, no, we're not going to give you that money. Yeah. Um, do you like, so let's, so let's make the case for Connor in any sort of format or league. Right. I really like it. Going beyond any sort of potential like punishment or whatever for the holdout, as much as I love Yon, or love Le'Veon, he has gotten banged up the past couple of years. I mean, we've seen him miss time, time and time again for knee injuries. I mean, he pulled it. I don't even know if it was a pulled groin, torn groin, or whatever in the AFC Championship, like three plays in, and that pretty much ended that game. And so, I when I'm looking at handcuffs, I like guys in like great situations necessarily. The James Conner is worlds better than anybody else, not named Beyond Bell in that backfield. He's better than Fitzgerald Toussaint. He's better than Niles Davis. He's better than, I'm trying to think of the other one, it, but doesn't really matter. He's so much better than all of them, and we've only seen him play like two games now. I think the third one's tonight, so we'll see how many snaps he get. 
but that offensive line is so good. I think it's oh, not necessarily talked incredible. about like the Dallas line is. And I don't know if it's nearly at the same level as Dallas, but they're not far behind at the very worst. No, not at all. I would and, put them second behind Dallas and in front of Oakland. Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you. Um, and this isn't just like James Conner went to the Steelers, so I'm hyping him up. I loved him at Pitts so much. Yeah, he's and, a local. No, he's a local Pittstown yeah. or not Pittstown, Pittsburgh kid. Yeah, I mean, he grew up in Erie, went to high school and basically in Pittsburgh, went to Pitt, now playing for Pitt. And that's the reason why his jersey is like top 20 selling in all of football, <laughs> despite the fact yeah. he hasn't played a regular season down. So I love the talent. I love the way he runs. He just runs hard nose and all that. He's underrated out of the backfield. I was watching a lot of like draft stuff leading up and just watching him. I'm like, he's got good hands. He had ter- horrific hands against the Falcons. But that's his first game trying to run before he catches the ball, all that sort of stuff. So I think in the way with that the Steelers like to run their backfield is if they have a guy that they can count on, they just feed him all the time. That's why D'Angelo Williams was useless when Le'Veon was in. Sure. Yeah, no, and I I personally like Connor because um, I think there's something to be said for the fact that it's hard going from zero to 100 playing Mm -hmm. football and that's pretty much what bell is doing yeah and because there's a huge difference because Levion is in shape regular shape but like everyone always says there's a difference between just regular day-to-day shape and being able to come in and get 35 touches week one there's a huge difference so so i think there might be some echo all right never mind all right i think we're good okay so um Moving on to, I guess, sort of the more reliable pieces in this offense. I'm a huge believer in Roethlisberger this year. Um, I know a lot of people are scared of his um, home and road splits. They're weird, yeah. But for me, and you might have to, I want to hear your opinion about this. For me, I kind of ignore that when we're talking about the last time Roethlisberger was on the field with Martavis, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, and yeah. Le'Veon Bell, they absolutely set records. And I think that yeah. just has to offset any concerns about home and roads, like splits. Am I wrong to think that? No, I think you're right. Um, and really just over the course of just that kind of trio, the Brown, Bell, and Ben trio, like all three, even just the three of them, not even including Bryant, haven't been on the field together much. It's it's yeah. unfortunate, but one keeps getting Bell will get hurt, or Ben will get hurt, or Brown gets hurt. Roethlisberger has been had, contemplating retirement, even. I know, and that's yeah, and that's why I'm kind of like, all right, we just gotta go all in. That's why I like the Joe Hayden signing. I don't know what he has <laughs> left, but he's better than what yeah. we were throwing out there. But um, but yeah, you're right. I think Martavis coming back should be huge. I'm drafting him wherever I can in every single league. I love the talent. I think he's gonna get work all that he's got to because like and sure people can point to on um, eli rogers or sammy Coates, but they really they weren't they they've never been as consistent as bryant has been in the wide receiver two role and they yeah. haven't even gotten like him that much like they, they haven't really had a true second wide receiver Mm-mm. aside from just a b yeah, and that was part of the issue last year, especially in the AFC Championship, is when Bell went down, it was Brown and that was it. I yeah. mean, Eli Rogers is fine what he is as like a 3-4 running in the slot. Sammy Coates 
his hands aren't reliable at all. No, not at all. And just neither one of them is anywhere near the athlete that Martavis is. A six four can jump through the roof and runs like a four four. Just, I mean, he's he's as soon as he like is ready, and I would assume he's pretty much ready now. I mean, he's the number two wideout for yeah. sure. And we saw what he did before he got suspended. He is a game changing kind of talent. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with you, and I think. Yeah, I think Roethlisberger, I, I get the injury concerns. Mm-hmm. I get the home road concerns. I just think I his upside is unreal to finish in the top 10, maybe even top five of all quarterbacks, just there based was, on the weapons around him. There was the a draft that was, yeah, there was a draft I was doing the other day, and I never take two quarterbacks, but it got to the point where it was so late and Roethlisberger was still on the board. I think I took Winston or something like that. And Roethlisberger was still on the board. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to look at this. And if I only start Roethlisberger at home, like, that's fine. Yeah. I have a top six got, QB yeah, you've got eight Winston. weeks out of the year. Yeah. So, but he ended up getting drafted. Like, the pick that I was leading up to pick him with, he ended up getting picked. Yeah. So, those are the, that. Yeah, <laughs> those are the worst. Yeah. All right. So, right before we move on to the news, um, Josh, do you are you the commissioner of a lot of your leagues? No, I'm not. Well, I am, and have, like, are you in a lot of paid leagues? I no, I that. really, I really don't pay for fantasy sports all that much. And well, I know it's weird for someone who enjoys it as much as I do. I just, I just don't end up in that many paid leagues. Well, let me, uh, let me tell you about the newest and safest way to store your league's fantasy football fees. We Razball is partnering with League Safe. Um, you might know them from Paul Charshian uh, being the founder and guru behind that. Um, it's very user friendly. Um, just put in the promo code Razball and get a free ten dollars added to your league's purse. They hold all of your money. Um, it's e- it's it's easier more than ever to collect dues. For me personally, I hate going and having to track down money from people. Um, I play in a league with a lot of snot-nosed teenagers, and they are the worst when it comes to paying fantasy football leagues. So use promo code RASBALL for league saves to get $10 added to your league's purse for new members. All right, so let's talk about the news, Josh. So last week, we didn't get we, – we sort of talked about this when we had our, our uh, RASBALL Riders League draft, but – a lot of injuries coming last week. We see Julian Edelman going down for the season, Spencer Ware going down for the season. And as of now, it looks like Cameron Meredith is going to go down for the season. I, don't... I saw he, he had torn his ACL, so yeah. He's yeah, so, he's, so all of these guys are done for the season. So let's go piece by piece and talk about each uh, player and how it relates. Um, let's talk with uh, Edelman first. Um my personal opinion on it is that I think this really bumps up Brandon Cooks and Rob Gronkowski's value. Um, I wasn't really too interested in Brandon, Brandon Cooks at all um, mm-hmm. heading into the year just because I, with Edelman there, I think he is, I think it was just too crowded of a wide receiving core for Cooks to get any production. And I think everyone's drafting him thinking that. We'll just get a New Orleans part two in New England, right. but I didn't think that was the case. But now Edelman is out of the picture, and I'm starting to like Cooks and Gronkowski, and I don't even mind Chris Hogan as like a high upside later pick. Like, what say you about this? I think 
and I guess it just comes down to what I think about. I think if there's one team that has like people equipped to like manage an injury, like Edelman, like your number one receiver goes down. I mean, the Patriots are able to do it. It's yeah, crazy. They can essentially plug and play people. Yeah. Like you said, I like Chris Hogan. I think him and Danny Amendola both kind of fit that Edelman role, but just running slot routes, option routes, just getting on time, complete timing routes with Brady and all that. And I agree with you. I like cooks a little bit more as well. I actually started targeting him more after the injury because I'm like, well, these hundred and what 30, 40 targets have to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And you have to think that as the pecking order goes, that the most talented receiver obviously is going to get a bump in targets for sure. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty incredible that kind of the feeling around the NFL community was that, all right, so Edelman isn't there. It's all right. They've got everyone mm-hmm. else that needs to be there. We still think they're going to be like, I, I don't, I can't think of any recent example where a team's number one receiver goes down and everyone's like, yeah, nope. Uh, we still no, think they're going to win yeah, the Super fine. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, it, and I don't think it has happened for sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. So moving on to uh, the Chiefs with uh, Spencer Ware, um, it's now pretty much confirmed that Kareem Hunt will be taking over as the number one RB in Kansas City. Um, Josh, are you? I would assume you're you're like you're now more of a fan of a uh, Hunt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now that I mean, now that we know he's going to get full usage and all that, because I, I like Spencer Ware. I thought he was solid enough last year that he could have kept the job, worked with it, and all that. But I was doing a draft with a buddy uh, maybe a week and a half ago, and he and I and I was just helping him draft and all that, and we took Spencer Ware. And I told him later in the draft, I was like, "All right, double him up, Cream Hunt." I was like, "This guy's playing really well this preseason. They like him a lot. Double him up." And now I'm really, really happy we ended up doing that. Yeah. Because of just how it all worked out. But, man, his ADP skyrocketed. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my word. Which makes sense. I mean, when you have a guy sure. who all of a sudden is a starting back. I'm, I got the ESPN stuff pulled up right now just there. And his ADP in the last seven days has jumped 75 spots. That's incredible. To 40th overall. 40th overall. I would still think that – I mean, because where was being drafted way higher than 40th was like – or maybe not. Maybe I'm just thinking of it as position by position. I wonder if I can look at negative values because I would assume his has completely dropped, and I guess I could do some quick math. All right, here we go. He was drafted 70th overall. Okay. Right around there. He's dropped 100 spots, and now his average pick is 170, which is, I would assume, essentially undrafted. Yeah, pretty much undrafted. So, and I want to hear your opinion on this too because it's it's a thought I've had about Ware's injury that I'm not sure a lot of people have – considered before i actually think that where's injury is a huge boost in fantasy for tyreek hill um and some people are like okay you know if they're not going to be as productive and i mean people you know hear that and they go well you know how does a running back going down affect a wide receiver well there was a lot of instances last year where you know tyreek hill is fast yeah and I'm going to use Madden terms because I don't know what the actual NFL play for it is, but there was a lot of instances where Hill was being used in sort of the jet sweep end around type role, um, like like setting the mm-hmm. receiver in motion and then just handing the ball off to him. And I wonder if they'll use Hill a lot in that role now more than ever that where is out and they've got, an iffy Sharkhandrick West 
backing up an unproven rookie. I think you're right. Um, and that's a really good thought, something that I hadn't even thought about. But yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill's one of those guys. He's just that kind of weapon where you have to get him 15 touches a game. It doesn't matter how you get him those touches. They can be kicks, punts, receiving, sure. handoffs, whatever. He needs to get around 15 touches a game because there's a pretty solid chance he's breaking two of those for humongous gains. And yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, you may even see him line up in the backfield on like just straight up like shotgun would, next that, to Alex yeah. Smith. That and, wouldn't shock me. And you could run him out of that. I'm probably I'm pretty sure they probably don't want him just running just like straight halfback dives and stuff up the middle. I'm going to use Madden plays too because I'm not a football guy. So um, <laughs> I don't think you want him necessarily running between the tackles. But I mean, you could swing him out wide and get him the ball in the flat. Just he's going to find ways to get the ball. And I think there's more of an incentive now to get him the ball. I think you're right. Yeah. And so, um, and then our final news piece of injuries is Meredith. So Mm -hmm. Matt and I have talked about this a lot and I, it's interesting because if you look at the Chicago bears depth chart, now I'm pulling it up there. A lot of people are like, you know, oh, you know, Meredith not being there. It's an absolute crap show. And I actually kind of disagree Mm -hmm. Um, because if you look at it, they've got your boy, former boy, I guess, Marcus Wheaton. Kind of, kind of. But uh, they've also got Victor Cruz, Kevin White, Kendall Wright, and um, Deontay Thompson, I think. No, it's Tanner Gentry, who's the new rookie there. But I did not it's even not... realize they had Cruz and Kendall Wright. I missed yeah. that completely as and, the And Wheaton and Kevin White, we still don't know if he's good or yeah. not. Um, but I, I don't think it's – I don't think everyone should be as – I think there's – here, I know what we can draw comparison to. I don't think it's as bad as New York when um, Quincy Newman went down. Oh, absolutely. Right? I think it's – I don't think it's as bad, but I don't think you should be eager to draft any wide receiver in Chicago. I don't think anyone in Chicago is worth drafting except for Jordan Howard. I think you're probably right. I ended up – and I'm not even too crazy about Jordan Howard just because of how bad the rest of the team is. A lot of – yeah, a lot of people feel that way too. But I ended up getting him in the third round the other day, and I'm like, okay, at That's that point, pretty, I yeah. can't pass that up. It's it's worth a shot at it then. But I think you're right. I mean, I guess Mike Glennon's going to be their quarterback. I don't necessarily know what we have in him. Um, the only wideout I would even consider is if it's a deep league, I'd take a home run shot on Kevin White. Sure. I think – you know what Victor Cruz is at this point. You pretty much know what Kendall Wright is. Marcus Wheaton, he's okay. White's the wild card because we really haven't seen. Has he played? He's played. I he's played. I want to say maybe he's even played ever. I no. I think he played like maybe, maybe that's one right. or two games. Oh, okay. Like I, I think he played like one or two games last year. Like maybe yeah. one game, if that, before I think re-aggravating his injury. I think you're right. Yeah, he had 19 catches last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, I think, one, two games, if that, maybe just one. Yeah, um, and I mean, here's here's the thing. I'll rattle off his targets. He had 9, 14, 6, and 7. So he was getting a decent amount of looks, and that was maybe with Alshon Jeffrey. I'd have to see if the games line up. I have no, no it would. Yeah, no, I would assume it would be with Jeffrey. The thing. Yeah. And as a Bucks, well, not, well, I guess I'm kind of a Bucks man. Um. I live, I think I've said this before, but I live like 10 minutes away from Raymond James Stadium here in Tampa. Oh, that's cool. 
But I, as like a Bucks follower and fan, screw it, I'll just say fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Glennon isn't the worst. He's not the worst option. In fact, I think people forget that um, Mike Evans's rookie year was with Glennon. And that's when we kind of that's when Evans burst onto the scene mm-hmm. here in Tampa. Right. I remember like specifically the game against Washington. He played quite well, and that was with Glennon. So we're not talking ab- about Glennon as if he's. You this know, isn't Brock Osweiler. This yeah. isn't Brock Osweiler. Exactly. Exactly. So moving on to I think I guess our main focus in this podcast would be draft risers and falls. We're kind of at a point here in the summer where, you know, we're a week away uh, from the start of the season. We've kind of got an idea of, you know, how things look after four preseason games or, you know, three and a half, three and a quarter. So, Josh, I want to hear your, like, some guys that you were, are now more confident on as the summer went on versus the start of the summer. Um, so I was looking at like, I kind of went through my team. Now I think I have three or four teams right now and I've got like maybe one or two left depending on how some different leagues shake out and everything. Yeah. And so I was kind of looking at like a lot of guys that I've ended up with on every single team. And we talked about Martavis. I've ended up with him on, I've made it a point to get him on all but one team. And that's because I had too many week nine buys already. I accidentally drafted my first <laughs> yeah. four guys all had week nine. Cause I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I was paying yeah. Madden at the same time and completely lost track and then drafted a running back two wide out to my flex all week nine. Jeez. So I'm ending up with a lot of Sammy Watkins as just a home run shot. I have him no better than a flex on any team. I have him on a flex on one. Uh, behind two wideouts, obviously, and then I have him as my number four wideout in a league where we start four plus a flex. So I'm just taking a home run shot. When he's healthy, he's absurdly talented. And I guess I believe in Sean McVay a little bit, though I don't necessarily know that I have. No, he's. I, I think people. To. I think people are scared of Watkins in Los Angeles, and I certainly understand that. And I've said this numerous mm-hmm. times. I'm absolutely terrified of his schedule, he has to face some of the best oh, yeah. um, cornerbacks in this yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, however, four games against Sherman and Patrick Peterson. So, I mean, yeah. there's four games right there where he's relatively has a good shot of getting shut down. Yeah, and I think he also has to go to, I don't know if it's home or away games, but he has to face um, whoever will cover him in New York between Dominic Rogers, camardi Eli Apple, mm-hmm. and... Um, I'm blanking on the third guy. And then and he also has to face Jacksonville between um, uh, Jalen and Bouye. Yeah, yeah. Jalen uh, and uh, AJ Bouye. But um, I no, I think you're 100% right to feel more confident in Watkins because of Sean McVay. Sean McVay, I mean, this is definitely not an original thought, but Sean McVay is not 8-8. Um, eight eight, uh, no. Um, Jeff Fisher. Jeff yeah. Fisher. He's – He's yeah, he's young and he's a talented coach, and I have like I think people are going to feel a whole lot differently this year about Jared Goff than they did under Jeff Fisher's offense. Yeah, and I was slightly terrified because when I watched All or Nothing season one with the Cardinals, I ended up with like every single Cardinals player on every single team because <laughs> I fell in love with them through that show. And luckily, that's no, I, that's the uh, that's the hard knocks bump, right? Everyone and their moms are excited about. Mike Evans and Jameis and 
just like I think, you know, years ago when they were all excited about the Bengals. And then yeah. same with, um, I think even Alfred Blue got a huge bump because of Hard Knocks. Oh, um, like, so, no, yeah, that's, so, a, that's a common thing, though. Yeah, so it's like, so I watched season two and all that, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to fall in love with a bunch of Rams players. And obviously this is before Sammy Watkins. This is before all that. And, like, I – I think I like Gurley this year at the value just because of the talent. I mean, you're no longer having to pay essentially a top four pick for him. And they're no longer and they're no longer going to stack the box because you can't because there's Watkins. Right. There's Watkins. You brought in Robert Woods at the same time. Uh, Cooper Cup's having a solid preseason. There's there's some stuff going on. They got Gerald Everett in the draft, too. So there's all that around. And I mean, obviously, we don't know what Jared Goff is. Last year wasn't good, but now he's got some stuff to throw to. Now, now he's better than yeah. Tavon. And now and yeah, that's it. Exactly. So it's like I ended up liking – it was really only Watkins and Gurley were the only two that I was targeting. But, um, but yeah, I think I like Sammy Watkins this year. Um, another one that I've ended up with was Keenan Allen on a lot of teams because he's falling, coming off the injury. And it's coming off the injury, I think, what, two straight years now? He's yeah. had a season-ending injury. But, yeah. I mean, when he's in there with Phillip Rivers, he's a target monster. So I'm looking at him in, like, PPR leagues and all that. And then another one, too, that because he just keeps falling further and further down is um, I've been stashing Doug Martin on a lot of teams. Interesting. I'm not necessarily the biggest believer in Jaquiz Rogers. I mean, he's neither is uh, neither is Matt. Yeah, he's better than he was when he was with Atlanta in Atlanta. He just wasn't much anything special, but he's bet he's playing better now in Tampa. But I, I just always kind of like Doug Martin's talent. So I think once he comes off his suspension and gets rolling, I think there's a chance he ends up taking uh the lead back role there. Yeah, I and, yeah, I think he I just love be. that offense. I love that offense this year. Yeah, how can you not? All right, so here are some names uh, to consider. Some guys that I feel better on compared to the start of the uh, summer. Um, Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. um, is a name. Cool. I think it's kind of I I wanted to hate on him. Well, not hate on him because I I initially really liked him coming out of FSU. I wrote him up. Um, for Rasball saying that, in my opinion, and I still hold, I still think that he's the best pure runner out of any rookie this year, and that includes McCaffrey and Fournette. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think I've I've read that. I've seen that a lot of places. I definitely can get on board with that. I think yeah, and and so I I wanted to not like him though because just the Minnesota offensive line scares me to death. Right, but I think the volume should be there because Lata—they don't seem to be confident at all in Latavius Murray. And he's um, coming off of an injury. He started the preseason on the. Oh pump, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, just making yeah. sure. Yeah. No, you're no, you're 100 percent right. And I think that Cook should be very productive in PPR leagues because Sam Bradford loves to yes. dump it off, mm-hmm. and that's what Cook should be doing. Um, another name we already touched on it is Tyree Kill. Um, I think everything that we already said. Is should be reiterated. Um, Jimmy Graham is another name. I think um, he's now 100% fully healthy. I don't think he was 100% fully healthy at all during any point last year. Right. Um, I think his chemistry and relationship should be continuing to grow with Russell Wilson. And I think a really good sign that we should be excited about Graham is that every beat writer um, in Seattle thinks that we should be seeing the old Jim Graham of New Orleans, where it's him and Gronk competing for one and two. Um, Which would be awesome, because I miss that Jimmy Graham I, a lot. I, I love miss, that Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I miss that Jim Graham as well. 
Um, we already touched on it again as um, big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, mm-hmm. I just think the offense is going to set records. Everyone thinks that um, Oakland is going to be um, the ones competing with the Patriots. But even as a like as a Patriots fan, I still want you know the Pats obviously to make it to the Super right. Bowl, and I think that they will. But I think I think the AFC Championship game, if it's you know drawn up this way, is going to be Patriots versus Steelers. I think the the defense is getting better. They just got Joe Hayden, who isn't the old you know isn't the Joe Hayden of years past, but I don't think he's the worst option for them at all. Um, yeah, I, I think their defense is going to be on the same I, I don't know. I don't I don't want to say their leaps and you know their head and shoulders above last year's defense, but I think they're slowly getting better and I think that's okay right. for the team because I'm not expecting the AFC championship game to be just Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown because Lev Bell got hurt. I think Lev Bell should continue to be healthy and if you throw in Martavis Bryant, I can't say for one hundred percent certainty that the Patriots cruise past the Steelers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's at least a much tougher task than it was last year. Oh, my God, yeah. The one thing that I really like for the Steelers and what we seem to be going more towards is the defense continues to get younger. Yeah. Now, um, we draft T.J. Watt in the first round, and and James Harrison's going to keep playing. Josh, I love – I'm a huge Wisconsin Badgers fan. T.J. Watt is – by far, I was like, I wonder where he's going to go. I thought he was going to go to Dallas, and I was like, this obvious, this immediately makes, you know, Dallas's defense that much better. Yeah. T.J. Watt is a special, special player. They also got um Bart Heisman. His name is Bart Houston, but I like to call him Bart Heisman. He's the third or fourth string now for Pittsburgh too. Right. And but, I keep seeing him come in, and then uh, Steelers beat writers and bloggers like just go crazy when he comes in. I'm like, I know nothing about this. Yeah, guy. no. Bar Bar Houston's an interesting story. I don't think he played one snap of college football until his senior year. Jeez. Um, and his first ever game, like as as a collegiate football player, his first ever game was when they upset LSU at Lambeau. Oh, really? Um, he's he's not the and he's I don't think he's ever going to start for the Steelers. He'll yeah. just be one of those players that, like, you know, keeps everyone on their toes. Like, you know, he's probably – he's like clipboard Jesus, but not – he's not like Charlie Whitehurst because he doesn't look like Jesus. But he's – um, I think he'll be a very solid backup or third stringer. And then um, the final name on my draft risers list is um, C.J. Anderson. Uh, Matt and I really disagree over C.J. Um, this year, he, we're finally going to see him – become a top 12 running back um mm-hmm. maybe even a top 10 running back they've really improved their offensive line in the draft um Devontae booker is out for the yeah. season or at least for a majority of the season um i don't think jamal charles is going to compete with cj at all i mean he was on touches, the bubble of getting cut he was on the now. bubble 100 uh, percent agree with you and also he's just there's a lot of tread on his tires. He's worn yeah. down, multiple I mean, knee injuries. Yeah, exactly. And not like just knee sprains. I mean, we're talking about, I think, multiple torn ACLs. Yeah. I, I, I just, I really like CJ because it, if you give me any bell cow running back behind a decent offensive line, I'm going to be excited about that. I yeah. think that's what you have with Anderson. 
and I just I pulled up his little ESPN tab just for kicks while you were talking about that. And yeah, I mean, he averaged he only played seven games last year, but he averaged almost 11 points a game. Yeah, he was absolutely incredible to. Yeah, yeah, he was absolutely incredible to start. And then he got hurt. And then that was pretty much it. Yeah. And that's when everyone fell in love with Devontae Booker, including me. And then he did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think you're alone in the in all of our pain about Devontae Booker. Um, all right, so give me your uh, draft father, some guys you're definitely still staying away from, you're not excited at all about. One guy, and it's like, he's like a first slash set. I'm not crazy about Jay Ajayi. I am I, I totally him. understand where you're coming from because I feel like his entire season is hanging on the balance of Mike Pouncey, and that's never a good thing. Yeah, and it's like, and there's that, the healthy line and all that, and just, I get that, it's like the if you take away his good games, he wasn't that good. But when you have, so <laughs> I always, I always love those arguments. Like People, I, I try to like, yeah, no, only do no, it in extreme totally, situations. No, I'm you're like, totally. I know you're, mean, but yeah, I get you. Yeah, when he had three 200 yard games last year, which is incredible. That's and then yeah, average 88 yards a game in the rest of them. I'm like, that's yeah. that's a humongous gap. Yeah, there's bound to be regression. Right. So I'm not too crazy about him and. It's a strategy that obviously is not my own because this is all over the place. Um, I just don't draft any elite quarterbacks like I and I just don't even look at them. I'm not looking at like Brady Rogers, Ryan Breeze, any of them, just because I don't want to pr- play the price. There's so sure. many running backs and wideouts. I'd rather stockpile there rather than there's a guy always that I get yeah, one. There's always going to be a week. Like, oh that's how God. I think about it. So if I can just nail and I mean, people run their entire team streaming QBs. They just get a top 12 quarterback every single yeah. week just yeah. off the waiver wire. Last year, I think across my teams, I ended up with like Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I ended up with Stafford like two or three times. There was one league, our Fantastics Writers League, which is a two QB league. I didn't look at the rosters before we got into the draft and then got super confused why like the Packers QBs and the Colts QBs and the Patriots QBs went like the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Then I found out. But I, I mean, I nailed the Falcons and Raiders late in the draft. So that was obviously more luck than anything. But it's just there's just so much value at quarterback late. And I did so, the same so thing. So give me some. Uh, so give me some names that you're looking at, like late QBs. I really like Jameis Winston. I really <laughs> like just that offense as a whole. Uh, we've talked about Roethlisberger a couple of times. He's going weirdly late for me. Um, I mean, Philip Rivers, you know, he's going to provide numbers. He's aging a little bit. Yeah. Eli has a lot of weapons now there in New York. Yeah. Carson another year, another year in a Ben McAdoo system. And I right. totally am on your side with a uh, Wentz. Yeah. I mean, they're just, I mean, you bring in Alshon, he's better. Um, I'm a big Mac Hollins guy. It's weird to be so big. I'm like a fourth, fifth round pick, but I was watching some of his UNC stuff and like, he literally, no, he's talented. Just, he just looks like my Dick Evans. They have not quite the same skill set, but like literally like six, four, they look identical. And I'm just like, he just wasn't healthy at UNC, so we really didn't see. And then I, one of my buddies is a huge Eagles fan, so I text him all the time when Matt Collins does good stuff because when they drafted him, I told him, I was like, watch this guy. I was like, he has a lot of talent. Sure. So um, who else later quarterbacks? Um, you know who I think is going to be a really – you know who I think is going to be a top 10 QB but and no one's going to expect it? Who? Carson Palmer. I can He's, see that. There was a report that came out recently that last year, towards the end of training camp, his arm just gave out. Right. He never had the arm strength 
and you know Michael Floyd was you know in and out of prison and yeah, exactly. had like you know bounced around between teams even landed on the Patriots for like a week right and everyone got so excited because he landed such a sweet block but he never picked up the offense so we had a little nope. go yeah. but um you know they've got JJ Nelson a lot of people are seeing good things out of him yeah um, a healthy John Brown should help people are getting excited surprisingly about Jerome Brown as well Right, I've heard um, stuff about him, and then Fitz, Fitz is Fitz. I mean, he's Fitz just is Fitz, overlying. and then yeah, and then their schedule for like I want to say maybe the first four weeks is absolutely incredibly easy. Like they play Indianapolis and Detroit, and like like I, I have to pull it up, but um, yeah, I'm working on it right now too. Um, they've got an easy first couple of weeks where like if you're just looking at it, like I'm just gonna punt the QB position and maybe start streaming quarterbacks. I think Palmer for the first couple of weeks is an excellent pick. Yeah. So their first game's tough. They've got Denver on a Thursday night at Denver, but then like you said, they have at the lions. Wait, Arizona. No, that's a, that's a preseason game. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's tonight. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, right. So you're even more right. Lions, Colts, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles, Bucks, Rams. So there's their first seven games. Read that again. The first couple. Lions, Colts, Cowboys, Niners are their first four. I mean, That's, those are all four yeah. numbers where or four games where that whole entire offense should put up numbers. hundred percent. And we always forget like two. I mean, we just read. I mean, David Johnson is a wide receiver for them. He caught 88 balls or something like that last year. I mean, he's a huge factor in their passing game as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any uh, draft followers, more draft followers? Um. Or- we kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, I guess if you're like way up in the first round and you have the choice between all the elite wideouts, Julio is just weird for me. Um, sure. Like I said, just because when you're drafting that high and I know touchdowns, you don't really want to chase them because they're really fluky um, yeah. for the most part, but his are fluky in the wrong way because he just, and he just doesn't catch touchdowns. No. And every yeah. year it seems like we hear something in, preseason oh yeah we're gonna target julio jones more in the red zone next year yeah. and he had 13 targets in the red zone last year which is absurd for a guy that good yeah it shouldn't happen no so he's he's the one i'm kind of weird about um i mean i'd take antonio Bryan over him obviously and then i'd probably think hard maybe about like an aj green or a mike evans maybe odell they're all kind of right i'm, same I'm spot. super excited about those guys that you mentioned yeah, yeah. And, and i yeah. i'm a huge huge mike evans guy I fell in love with him at texas a&m and Really wanted him to fall to the Steelers in that draft, and then he came out and ran what like a four five, and I said, "Well, there goes that." Even at like fifteen, sixteen, whatever we were at, I was like, "He's never making it to us." Yeah. So, but I think that's all mine. Um, I don't necessarily, yeah, I don't know how too many guys that I'm avoiding. It's really mainly just the quarterbacks, and then like first round, not crazy about Jaye, and that's really about it. So uh, let me bring off some names here really quick. So first, um, one guy that I think we've all been uh, that I've been doing my best to say avoid is um, Marshawn Lynch. I think I people can. people assume that he's going to step into and perform like you know the old beast mode in Seattle, and I do not think that's the case at all. I think they're doing a couple things. One, they're saving him for goal line for the, for mm-hmm. goal line work. I think they're also saving him for the playoffs. Um, I could really see him only serving as a goal line back exclusively until weeks 
16 or 17 where they really right. start to get into the playoff mode. Um, like, I understand they have a great offensive line, but Lynch has a lot of tread on his tires. He, mm-hmm. He's been worked a bunch if you just consider his usage in Buffalo and Seattle. And you have to want to run with his running style. Like, that's yeah, not something that you can just wake up and drop. You have to want to do that. And it's weird to sit out a year. It and then is like, weird. Oh, to I want to come back and run through people's faces again. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a slam dunk. Like, and, you said. Al- and also, too, um, everyone was really excited about Latavius Murray last year. Um, they featured a lot of Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. And I really, I really think that it's going to be like a 50 50, maybe 60 40 split um, between Richard and Washington. And then we'll sprinkle in Lynch every now and then. And then once we get into January, that's when we really unleash. We'll, wear on. we'll run on them. Yeah. That's when I think we'll you're really right. And that's, that's a good yeah. one. Something that I didn't even, but I'm just not even like acknowledging his existence. When yeah, his, because his, I just literally never look at him. Yeah, no, his average draft position, I think is 27th overall, which is way too high. Yeah. ESPN's got 30. So yeah, right yeah, in that ballpark, right I mean, in the second to third wheel, right mm-hmm. in that range. Yeah. And that's just a mistake. Um, yeah, another, yeah. another name on my list is Alan Robinson. Um, I think the Jaguars will be the perfect eight and eight team. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be Kansas city 2.0. And I know Kansas city has a lot more success and I just think they have better personnel than Jacksonville. Yeah. But I think Jacksonville, and I've said this a lot, they're going to be a team defined by strength on the defensive side of, of the ball. Right. And their running game. And you can see that with, them attacking Fournette and Cam Robinson in the draft on the O-line. And I think they're just going to mask the inefficiencies of um, of uh, Blake Bortles. I think mm-hmm. they're just going to be like, you know, we'll let him throw the ball maybe 15 times a game, if that. Right. We're just going to pound the ball with Fournette, keep it close, rely on a very talented defense, and just hope and pray that things don't get out of control. And win and a I lot think, of 17 to 13 games, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and even they might not even win at like most of them. I think they'll be close in a lot of games, and I think it's going to be like one of those situations where you see Jacksonville playing Indianapolis, and they're up by like you know they're or they're down by three because they you know they've given you know 25 carries to Leonard Fournette, and then they're like, all right, Bortles, here's one of your throws. We're allowing you to to have this game and he'll just you know throw it off a sneaker and it'll end up in the lap of um you know a Colts defender but um yeah. I think I think it's bad news for any sort of I think it's bad news for Allen Robinson I think it's bad news for Allen Hearns and Marquise mm-hmm. Lee as late round options I just want to avoid the entire offense besides Fournette um and even Matt really does not like Fournette because he you know it, it, the offensive line kind of worries him and I understand where people could think that, but at the same time, it really doesn't bother me so much if the volume is going to be there. Right. Um, and I think you have that with Fournette. Um, and then really quick, I'll make this quick. Um, Delaney Walker is another name I'm avoiding. Mm-hmm. They brought in Eric Decker. Um, Walker was already kind of struggling last year, trying to be productive because it is a crowded receiving core. And I think that's great news for Mariota, but individually, I don't think that's good news for any of the wideouts. Right. Um, Rashard Matthews should still be active. Um, uh, they, they bring Corey in Corey Davis. Davis. Yeah. They bring in Eric Decker. 
Um, and you're asking Delaney Walker to be involved. I, I don't think it's reasonable for us to expect a tight end one year out of him. And that team runs the ball a lot with DeMarco and Derek. Yeah. Henry. I mean, they're a 100%. very run heavy team at the same time, despite having a quarterback as good as Mariota and potential weapons all over the field. They're still going to run the ball. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then um, finally, Cam Newton is a guy who I'm always avoiding, um, you know, coming off uh, a torn rotator cuff that he had to get surgically repaired last year. Um, They probably won't let him run the ball anymore because they can't afford their franchise player to be concussed over and over and over again. Um, They invested in Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey as short-range passing options to offset the running style of Cam. And I, I don't think Cam is good enough as a passer alone to be productive enough so so, we're, so we take him as a top 10 quarterback, a top five quarterback. I've been bouncing back and forth like all preseason on Cam, and I finally ended up taking him in a draft the other day. This is a league that just a bunch of people on Braves Twitter made and asked me if I wanted to be in, so I said sure. So I was like, I'll just throw this one to the win and just take some home run shots on guys. Sure. Um but, yeah, I'm so torn on how I feel about him because, like you said, I don't know how much he's running anymore. I guess the good thing is Kelvin Benjamin is getting some decent reviews from camp, but I think most people are at this point in the season. I mean, you don't really hear about the bad performances. But, I mean, maybe you get Kelvin Benjamin back and it helps boost his TDs a little bit. Yeah, but yeah Funches, I, Funches isn't the worst player in the world, but for me, yeah. I just think there are so many other better options where I'm fine passing on camp. Right. Yeah, I think this was a situation where, like, I had my entire, like, basically my whole starting lineup filled and was like, you know what, Cam's, let's just take a shot at it. Why yeah. not? All right, well, that about does it for the uh, Ras Blitz episode. So thank you, Josh, so much for uh, coming on and uh, helping us uh, get through this episode without the warrior, the man, the myth, the legend that is Matthew <laughs> Bowie. Um, so, uh, Josh, where can we uh, find you nowadays? Uh, mainly on Twitter. Uh, my handle is spewing out, uh, Atlanta Braves hot takes. Yeah. Uh, Braves and Steelers. And now that West George is playing again, like there's going to be a lot of free Willie gifts. So (laughs) So explain that to me really quick about, okay. So last year, uh, we started a quarterback who came from Louisville. He was Teddy Bridgewater's backup, uh, Will Gardner. So he came in and we started him through the first half of the season. And the way our offense is built relies on a mobile quarterback. Not necessarily, we're not like a like a Pat White type of mobile, but just a guy who can run. Sure. And so the offense was so bad. And Will Gardner's out there throwing 95-mile-an-hour fastballs to everybody. So our backup was a true fisherman <laughs> named Willie Candler. So naturally, when Free Will, or when Willie came in and we started playing well, Free Willie popped up, and that's how it all started. That's awesome. So pretty much after every big play for him. The free Willie gift comes out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, we can also uh, find you on the fantasy, um, the fantastics, the fantastics. Yeah. Yeah, I write for football and baseball on fantastics. Uh, It's insiderbaseball.com and insiderfootball.com. It's a pay site. I don't know that they necessarily have as much free coverage as y'all do. Um, It's more of you pay, you get the software, that kind of stuff. Um, Sure. But, yeah, I mean, mostly on Twitter. I'm on Twitter way too much. Uh, Josh underscore underscore Sperry, S-P-E-R-R-Y. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's mainly where I am. 
for the most part. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, there you go. And uh, we will see you guys on the uh, next podcast. Take it easy.